Rodman here, welcoming you to a bonus episode of The Awardist. We sat down for a lively conversation with writers from the Emmy-nominated sketch and variety talk shows. So please enjoy. Hi there, I'm Sarah Rodman, executive editor at Entertainment Weekly Magazine. And we would like you to welcome you to uh, our Emmy Awardist coverage. Today we have a celebration of some of the funniest, smartest, and might I say, very attractive uh, women writers in late night presented by last night's late night, EW's daily show on Quibi that gives the best opening monologues, interviews, and sketches every morning. So I am so glad to welcome to the circle of Zoom, Kristen Bartlett, co-head writer of the, uh, Full Frontal with Samantha B. Sam Jay, who is a staff so. writer at Saturday Night Live and a very funny stand-up comic, I think that we will mm -hmm. get to momentarily. Ex Mayo, who writes for The Daily Show. Which Amber Ruffin, who works on Late Night with Seth Meyers, also helped out Robin yeah. with the Black Lady Sketch Show and has her own show coming on The Peacock in the fall, which we'll get to. And yeah. the masterful, I'm so excited she's here, Ms. Robin Beatty, creator, showrunner, executive producer, writer, actress for one of my favorite shows this year, A Black Lady Sketch Show. Hey. Thank you all so much hey. for being here. I'm so excited to be talking to all of you. So it's a weird time for all of us to be talking in our little boxes though. So the thing I want to start with is in this, in this last five months, what has your creativity been like? Has there been an adjustment to what you're writing in terms of like, oh, I thought of a bit, that's really funny, but maybe it's not really funny right now. Has like this moment affected what's coming out of you? And anybody can take that. Um, I would say yes, but not in a way of, would this be funny in this environment? More so just it's hard to be funny in this environment. It's hard to be funny when you can't go out and interact in the world. And I draw a lot of my creativity off of just being around people and having conversations. And without that, it's hard to pull on funny things. But I haven't stumbled upon a joke where I'm like, oh, this I can't tell this right now. But I'm also a cynical comic, so I don't have much of a <laughs> metric for that kind of stuff anyway. I don't think any of us do, honestly. I don't think any of us has ever stumbled upon a joke that we were like, oh, that might ruffle some feathers. <laughs> right. Yeah. For me, uh, I thrive on not interacting with people. So God bless Sam J. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have the range or the interpersonal skills, but um, I no, I think for me, I just miss shooting. I miss being, you know, we were five days away from shooting season two. It was really hard to just pull up and stop. So I think for me, my creativity, I was like in the zone. So for the first like month, it felt weird to adjust to this like, well, now I'm not just doing anything and this is kind of depressing and all, my whole staff is out of work and this feels bad. And then after about a month, I was like, oh, well, now I have time to do the things I didn't have time to do. So I've been right. writing and developing and you know, things have picked up crazy behind the scenes and uh, and then just simultaneously trying to get my show back off the ground. So your comedy shifts, right? Your comedy shifts with the world. I think for all of us, that's the case. And so for me, the things I find funny now are very different than what I would have found funny, you know, six months ago. So and what is, what is that, Robin, when you say that? Is there an example that you have of like, oh, I don't think I would have thought that was funny six months ago? 
Well, I didn't know anything about Zoom six months ago. So, you know, in the first couple of weeks when everybody was doing Zoom bits, it was very funny. And now, mm -hmm. you know, they have ceased to be funny to me. So I think comedy mm -hmm. just happens in cycles. Um, and now things are funny. Like that woman screaming, not the bang, the bang. Like that, I never thought, <laughs> I don't know why I would be laughing at that. But to me, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google bang, spelled like it sounds. <laughs> Um, so it's stupid things that make me laugh. It's super stupid things of people who clearly are just bored and, you know, it feels very relatable. So yeah, Kristen, you were going to say, oh yeah, I can definitely hear myself disappointing people with my sense of humor now, not in terms of like comedy, but in sadness. So like, for example, this Emmy thing. So I'm very excited to be nominated as always, but I definitely have had some calls where people are congratulating me and I genuinely am excited to not have to wear Spanx this year. <laughs> and that's what I say, like that's the win. And I can hear them being sad. Like I can hear them being like, oh, this person's <laughs> life is so different anyway. But yeah. That's a reasonable thing though. And I would just like all the rest of you ladies to be like, as she's like, as always, every time I've been nominated. <laughs> that's good. That's really but Robin, I actually wanted to ask you about that. After what happened with the rundown, getting nominated right out of the gate for this must have been really satisfying. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It feels. It feels really good. It feels really good. Three nominations for a show that aired a year ago and only had six episodes is insane. Um, uh, do we deserve it? Absolutely yes. Did we expect it? Absolutely no. So, um, you know, I think it's just, it's really, really cool. And I think it's really fun to watch the reactions of even virtually of my cast, of my writers, of my, you know, Amber, you know, we had a crazy email chain where we were just like screaming at each other over email, like early in the morning, uh, before people were really awake. But, um, yeah, it's just dope. It's so dope. And I think that, look, I set out to make a show that looked better than any sketch show out there consistently. And I feel like we did that, no shade, Sam. And, um, uh, you know, I feel like, but I also feel like we're not running the same race. That's the kind of weird thing about yeah. sketch is like, you can never compare SNL to a black lady sketch. It's just a different sort of mm -hmm. format. We're inevitably in the same category because it's technically all sketch, but I make a narrative sketch series that's cinematic and grounded in a magical reality. So it's, it's just a different, vibe I mean we're you know so yeah we're all in the same category but I think um for me I knew what I wanted to make and I was saying this about Dime who's the first black woman directed uh director nominated for a variety directing Emmy and um and would be the first black woman ever to win a directing wow. Emmy across all categories if she wins which is insane in history, um, directing at all not even on a directing drama. at all <sighs> wow at all and obviously we're making history in terms of the show I've created and the makeup of the women, but um, but the directing, th but everybody knows that because there's never been a show like this, but for directing, it's really crazy. And Angela Bassett is nominated for a comedy Emmy. Like, yes. like yeah. give black wild. women their thing. Yeah. Angela Bassett, please. So the bad. baddest bitch, the baddest bitch of all. Abs and being funny, like legit funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. So exciting. I wanted to ask uh, Axe and Amber specifically, because you guys do the literal daily thing that you have to write pretty much every day. And I feel like Seth and Trevor are at the forefront of people who stepped up in this moment that are, and they're getting their props for it too, of being able to transition into this. And I'm curious from you all, what 
the key to that has been to make that transition so successfully? I don't know. We, uh, <laughs> we, I guess we thrive when we have to. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like when the protest started and I was like, so, so stupid. I, I, I was like, I'm going to write something about this. Ooh, they won't even know what hit them. And it was just <laughs> a, a bunch of dumb, like in the 24 hours that I wrote it, I was like, ooh, this is tone deaf as hell and no one can ever see that I wrote this, you know? And then the next day I was like, oh, there can't be any jokes about this at all. There is no way in. And then the next day I was like, oh, I'm a whole dead, sad human being. So <laughs> we- Wow, what a oh, roller coaster. What a journey. What a journey. <laughs> um, so we ended up starting the show with, um, me just telling uh, stories about actual times the cops uh, tried to kill me. <laughs> so yeah, a whole like, week of it, it was so good. And there was still I mean, more so to come, so right? Like this whole panel, well, at least, no offense, Kristen, most of this panel <laughs> has like weeks worth of this material. I got followed by a cop a couple weeks ago in LA. Like it is, it is endless, but you made it a thing, like must see TV, in a moment where on paper, nobody would have believed that would have worked as well as it did. Mm. I mean, and that's part of what I'm talking about successful transition wise and X for you, how has that been finding those moments as a writer in this time for your show? Yeah, well, I mean, there were times when I texted my head writer, I said, I ain't got a joke in me and it's funny. You know, like I was just like, yeah. I am from South Central LA. I'm born and raised here. Um, I'm in Los Angeles now. And I think too, like um, my experience and stuff being in late night, like it's very elitist. Like a lot of people there are like conventionally, conventionally educated, um, which I think is like a lot of these late night shows have wanted to echo whiteness. Like they hire a black person that echoes their whiteness. And I challenge all of that. Like I have a, like a working class mom, a working class dad. Like I went oh. to school for five seconds because I was like, where do you major in being a star? Like, that's what I do. I don't, uh, what, is, what is all this statistics? I don't know, one plus one is two. There you go, I know my money, right? <laughs> so, so I was just, so for me, it was just like, uh, we got to talk to Trevor and I got to keep it 100 with all the EPs and tell them like, look, we cannot go back on Monday while Atlanta is burning, talking about some bum, bum, ba -dum, bum, 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 like no want to hear that. Excuse me. I'm very sorry. Um, no, no, um, no people of the African diaspora. Thank you. Thank sorry, you for that. Mama going to be watching. Hey, man, God bless. It's entertainment weekly. I know it's okay, man. But um, <laughs> well, we got one of us here. It's fine. <laughs> we don't want to hear that. I don't want, I got a joke in me. Like, also, as somebody like the coronavirus hit my dad, it hit my granddad. Wow. So I, I don't have no jokes for you. You know, this bullshit um, curfew got my cousin arrested because they expect him to get to get from Long Beach to L.A. in 30 minutes. They also sent a time in a, a they sent another message in Spanish with a later time targeting my family who are immigrants. So I'm just like. But, but to have that voice in that room, I'm like, this is how I feel. This is what's happening. And like, you know, for all the people watching in LA, we call it a ghetto bird, meaning the helicopter. And the ghetto bird was out every five seconds and yep. was like taunting me. So as far as my creativity, it did take a 
a, a step back because um, for the first part of quarantine, I was in New York away from everybody in New York was like, it was like Corona central. It was like, mm. it was, it was really bad. So my creativity did take a step back, but my mental health took a step forward. Amen. So that's what I needed to happen. And mm. it did. And I was very happy to be in a space that allowed me to take that time. And I only took one day off. And as a black woman, I'm sure y'all feel like, or even as a woman, I felt so bad for taking that day off. I was like, they're going to fire me. I'm going to get fired. Yeah. I'm going to get fired. <laughs> I just got stressed <laughs> out for, for you when you said you took a day off. Like, do you still have a job? Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> I was just like, I, was like, I took a day off my own show this year and I was like, they go fire me. And I was like, oh wait, no one. Can fire me. <laughs> I had the same anxiety. No, and serious, and we also think like not only am I gonna get fired, but ain't no other black girl gonna be able to get a job anyway because right. damn, I just felt my own community. Like it's so much on our backs, right? Yes. Yeah. So I was just like, and literally my, all my bosses and all the, and Roy was like, shut your ass up take a day. <laughs> like, you know, like it's fine. I'm like, okay. Whew. But yeah, so that's, that's been my experience with creativity. Kristen, I wanted to ask you specifically because you guys deal in the topical, even though it might be hard to find veins of comedy and coronavirus and economic depression and, you know, the political divisiveness, that's also what you do. So has this been a rich time for you guys in some way, even though it's been hard? <laughs> well, I mean, I think since being at Sambi, we've had a technically rich time, you know, like there's so, so much has happened, so much is changing. Um, but I think this particular time has been a, a big challenge because I think I became head writer along with Mike Drucker in February. And I think now it's this new role of like, in addition to following the news, covering the news, it's also taking care of people. And mm -hmm. it's like Xing, like listening to how people feel like listening to like where they are. So it's a lot of managing in addition to managing exactly what's happening. It's managing just like how people are responding to, to the world. Um, yeah, <laughs> I definitely yeah. think that being in the center it's and being in New York, like so with coronavirus, like mm -hmm. certainly like being like hearing sirens 24 seven and then trying to write a comedy show at the same time, that's a challenge. I'm grateful that we don't have to do it every day. <laughs> So it's nice to have the weekly show. And I will say one of the things that I really love that we get to do is kind of take a step back. So we don't have to cover exactly what happened in that moment. It's sort of contextualized. Right. And that's a, a thing that I really appreciate. Working you on. have some time. That's always and a unique challenge with your show though, too, because, you know, we were whatever, Kristen and I basically roommates. We lived in the same building and we worked on the same building a floor apart from each other. But, you know, it's, it's so interesting. And I know this from doing my late night show, but also with you guys, your process is so tough because you have to watch all the other shows cover it all week long. And yeah. then you have to aggregate a new and fresh take that's still going to get people's attention. And I think mm -hmm. that's what's magical about what you guys do too. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. And Sam, on that sort of a similar tip, you guys, I, I feel like I speak for a lot of people that we were so grateful that Saturday Night Live was able to come back in some fashion. And I know that must have been difficult to piece that together and to do that show in a completely different way. But thank you, first of all, <laughs> um, because I was so happy to have it. So yeah. one, did you feel that sense of relief from people that the show came back? And can you talk a little bit about how different it was trying to make those pandemic shows? Um, yeah, I, I do want to start with the fact that I have the entire summer off every year, so I feel none of your pain. But... <laughs> <laughs> what a brag. 
back. I was just sitting here like, man, that sounds uh, terrible. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, big chilling, big chilling. Um, I think that we were happy to be doing something, but we were super bummed that we weren't back in the studio. A lot of the magic of SNL is us being together and riffing together. And Kristen can attest to this. It's like just being in that building and being in that energy matters so much to like what the show's gonna be. And so, especially that first one, I think we all just felt so disjointed. We really didn't even understand how to write it. You know, we were like, okay, so right. we, we didn't really have a real grasp of what we were doing yet. But I do feel by the third show, it felt mm. like we were under, we were getting it together, yeah. you know? So it was like good to know, because that's such a hard show to do, period, to turn a show around every week, a live show. Um, so it was good to see that everybody is as good as SNL says they are. Because in like two episodes, it was like, oh, we could have d- done this for a season. And it would have been fine. And that's like, to me, was the biggest feat of the whole thing. And then uh, I got a sketch on, which normally doesn't happen. So I also was kind of thankful. I figured I was like, this uh, mess of a situation has allowed me to sneak in here. Hey. Um, <laughs> you know. Get so through the door that's good. open to you. That's <laughs> that was also fun. And I just want to selfishly ask you for my own personal edification on this one. You got to work with Eddie Murphy on the Velvet Jones on Black Jeopardy sketch, Mm -hmm. which was one of the best sketches on what was one of the best shows uh, last year. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious what that experience was like for you. Uh, Surreal. I don't know if there's another word for it. It was insane. I still don't really know how I felt about it because it was all just, you know, happening. He was like Eddie being there was crazy in itself. He was like the one guest that I was like, oh, if Eddie came to the show, I would cry. But I was also like sure he would never come. So it just <laughs> sounded like such a like offhanded thing. And then it was like, he's here. And this is nuts. And the Did work you on- cry? Yeah, I that's what I was going to ask. In front of him or no? No, I'm not a loser. I, I, <laughs> I'm not a lame. I went and took a walk after he left. <laughs> Got my All stuff right. together. Good, good. Uh, I'm proud of you. But I mean, but I, it was great to work on such an iconic character and to work with the writers that originally came up with that character and for them to be like, yeah, you get this and you're writing this in the right tone and you understand this was like a huge, I don't know, confidence booster, honestly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And Amber, you're in a very specific position, unique among the women that we're talking to right now that you are launching a new show in the middle of it. So first of all, congratulations. Also, how's that going? Girl, I don't know, man. We start <laughs> we start in two weeks, I think. I the show starts, you know, who who can say? But yeah, the mm-hmm. room starts in two weeks. And uh I don't know what, I mean, it's so weird to be so far away from yeah. people. Just yeah. like Sam was saying, like, what, how are we going to yeah. collaborate? But now hopefully we will, hopefully it'll be great because now we're in this, we've been writing shows alone and, you know, unlike um, sitcoms nowadays, we aren't going to be sitting on in a Zoom room all day. I told these people and they were very scared. My writers were like, 
are we gonna have to be sitting and looking at it i was like absolutely not you write your you come to me and we will rewrite it separately and let's go so it will be like lonely but like a nice comedy factory hopefully (laughs) i mean but it is really i mean it's like such a you're a test balloon for anybody that is wanting to do really any kind of show right now Mm -hmm. and i love that peacock has the confidence to say we're not going to wait. We believe in her enough that we want to get this going. We're going to let this uh, old black lady do a late oh, night show in the middle oh, of the now. But I feel like Amber's show going into production is a good news for all of us. And Robin, yes. for you, because of the way that you film, I mean, do you have any idea when you're going back? Are you already sort of, do you have a pile of sketch ideas already ready to go? Oh, no. Season two is written. We were five days from shooting. So season two is written, ready to go. Um, yes, I know when we're shooting. Okay, you can't say right now, but you feel confident that that's happening soon. So that's good. That's I didn't say soon. I said, I know when we're shooting. Okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, I take that word back. And Sam, for you, you don't know. I'm assuming you don't know anything about like how that season's going to work yet. When Lauren calls, baby, I come a running. Oh, but we need to talk about three in the morning before uh, this is all over. Because Sam, I don't know if you've all seen it, has a Netflix special. Yeah! And I'm curious, in that coming out right now, how great is it to be part of everybody's quarantine and knowing everybody's stuck at home and they're going to watch it? Good and bad. (laughs) You know, it's good because, you know, there's a bunch of eyes on it. But then I feel like it's also like, no one has anything to do but overanalyze it too so you're dealing with like that at the same time yeah so like good and bad you know what I mean I think people are just in a state in a world where like everything is heavy and so it's like here's something light but there's still gonna be those everything is heavy people so in that regard yeah. it's like a 50 50 20 percent of this country is on twitter 80 percent is not don't let people sh- on social media that's so anywhere. important yes yeah, you killed it. Say. You killed it. You are one of the funniest comedians out here. Don't let anybody <laughs> take that from you. you and Robin Feeney, you know I'm that. a fan. Thank no, you. Sam Robin, knows I'm a fan. Robin came in like a mama. Now I feel like I gotta yeah. don't let anybody <laughs> tell you that. First of all, right, 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 right. right. You right, mama. You right. right. Absolutely. No, um, right. Sam, as soon as Sam, as soon as someone sent me a, a thing piece that someone wrote on it and she was roasting it, I was like, now I know I'm gonna love Sam special. <laughs> Anytime I see a motherfucking <laughs> woke piece or just like a think piece, like just like <laughs> so like just like just breaking down every little joke, I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm about to fucking love this <laughs> like me. You so dig it. <laughs> you like, already this know. Is be so good. Like, when you roasted your girlfriend, you was like, I ain't a man. <laughs> Why you got two luggage? But I was like, thank you. <laughs> I was so good. I was like, nigga. I was like, she black and gay. She can talk about whatever the <laughs> she want to talk about. I it was so good. I love yeah, it. He said, I'm a woman. Get my luggage. I said. <laughs> I screamed several times. (laughs) Sam, and I'll tell you this, Sam. One thing that you know, Sam, the niggas loved it. Like, my homeboy, they loved it. So, like, the hood love you, like, no shade, you know, to this. Nah, I like, we speak about like, you feel me? Like, we we loved it. Who I made it for, 
understood it. <laughs> right. I'd like to welcome you all to the Sam J Hype Hour. We're all But talking about social media, you bringing that up, um, you know, and I think for all of uh, the late night folks, uh, Kristen and Amber and X, you have all, and, and Sam for that matter too. Actually, everybody, Robin too. Yeah, we're all on late as hell. <laughs> that, but you've no had comments where, that have gone viral, right? On social media the mm -hmm. next day. So much has changed in like the last six to 10 years about like uh, people not staying up late and watching the clips. We do a show at EW um, that's about that. And so thanks for all of your help. <laughs> but what is it like to be inside a viral moment like that? Have you all had one where you're like, oh, this thing that I thought up sitting on my bed is now had a million views? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the moment that I had happened randomly and I was like, I'm gonna get fired for this joke. But um, it, it was about Meghan Markle. So remember when Mark, Meghan Markle was like, y'all too racist, I'm out. Right. Yeah. So then when that happened, I wasn't on that headline. So like at the Daily Show, like, you know, we all kind of like write on everything we do. It's called gangs like you. Everybody like writes or whatever like that. But I was on another piece and I was in rehearsal. And as Trevor was talking, he was talking about the Meghan Markle story. I turned to a, a black dude, Christian, who's a producer. And I was like, no, nah. I was like, she looked at Harry. She was like, you need to get a job. That's what happened. <laughs> and he laughed. And I said, oh, this is it. So I walked down to rewrite and I told Juven, who's the EP who I owe my whole career to, he's the reason why I'm there. He was like, hi, Trevor, you need to hire this person, hire her right now. Um, and uh, I told Juven, he was like, that's hilarious, tell Trevor right now. So we were in rewrite and I told Trevor, he said, X, that's so funny. And I was like, I'm not gonna get fired. And I was like, so shocked because I was like, Cause I will say like some stuff just does not look good in the way that I speak, you know, like my language, my grammar, like how I talk, like sometimes on paper, it's just like, it doesn't hit. But when I say it and you know, I'm saying it, it hits and it did. And Trevor said on the air and everybody reposted it. And all these black ass outlets was reposted. And I was like, that's my joke. And this is the biggest thing because I really love when my community laughs. I mean, and we laugh, you know, we hit, we turn, we smack, like I love a good laugh. And when other black people were texting me, I don't, cause I don't like mercy laughs. When other black people were texting me, they said, did you like that joke that Trevor said? <laughs> I was like, wow. They were wow. like, we heard your voice. We heard you. Yeah, right. exactly. That, that was crazy to me for you to hear my yeah. voice through this vessel, a very attractive vessel. So I was saying, I was so because that's you know Amen. sometimes that's how people can receive it, right? I was like, Trevor, make sure you use the dips when you say whatever, you then play it again. So then, so you be the you being the attractive vessel. That's what I was. Yes, I was exactly. Like, yeah. Me too. Right. <laughs> we're doing a thing after this where we're all gonna have a support group to make sure X understands she is not getting fired. No, girl, you're good. Y'all gotta, y'all gotta understand. Like coming from where I come from, like I come from, like very humble beginnings. You do not rock the boat. I worked at Old Navy, and it was like, don't you, you fold the shirts like this. You want to fold yeah. a shirt like that? Yeah, I'm fired. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm just like, I, I would never want. And but the reason why I had to make, why I said it too, I was like, not only does Trevor is Trevor the only one that can make this joke. Yes. Trevor has to make this joke. And when it got so much love and like 
I got so much love in the office and I had been there for like a year and some change. And so it was very good to know that I had like gotten so much better and I grow, I grew so much as a writer to get to that point. And just to have that level of respect of the other writers who I respect highly. Um, and to get so like that whole week, it was replayed over and over. So that was very humbling, but it was a great, great moment. Oh, I, I just want to say joke. something really hilarious. quickly, really yeah. quickly. It was hilarious. And I just want to say something to you, X. And I don't know if I've expressed this to you in a way that like this, but not only do you deserve to be in that room, not only are you extremely talented, but this business will have you feel like you don't belong. Yeah. And anybody who makes you feel that way will not be around much longer because things are changing. Right. And I'm Ooh. telling you that from a lot of things, and I, you know I know your, your side of the business because I've been in it for years. And like, I can tell you right now that people do not, who do not listen to voices who don't sound like them, people who discount voices who don't sound like them are not long for this business. And they're not gonna stay in these jobs very long if I have anything to do with it. And guess what? I do. Yeah, so thank you. And this is I love good. that. Robin basically just fired everyone in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. wow, she Listen, let it out. Like you don't right. understand the kind of pressure I've been in. I have been not shooting and all I've been doing is calling showrunners and telling them who they need to hire and on what shows. And for those of us, I don't need to say the show, you know who's recently hired black people who hasn't had them. And I have been phone calls, phone calls, phone calls, FaceTime, Zooms. I'm like, so where are they? So where are they? Like, I'm not playing these games anymore and I'm not even doing late night anymore in terms of politics, covering politics, but I have a vested interest in uh, creating equity in places where we have been shut out in the entertainment industry. Everything from behind the scenes to in front of the scenes and I will not stand for it any longer. There's no reason that when my late night show went off the air, half the black women in writing and late night went with it. There's no right. reason that there should have only been eight and when four left, it was 50% down. There's no reason for that right. when there are all these writers and all these shows. And all so, of us, that's, you, know, you that's belong the game there. Yeah, I wish all of us had tambourines right Thank now. You. And yes. we were just in the background going, yes, <laughs> amen. But I want to say X to you, that story is illustrative of what Robin is talking about. When we talk right. about representation and when we talk about voices in rooms and bodies in rooms, that's why we want them. That viral moment doesn't happen without your voice. That's right. Yes, it's said in Trevor's mm. voice, but it doesn't happen without your voice in the That's room. Right. And every right. single person on this call is a voice that wasn't in that room 10 years ago. They just mm -hmm. weren't. And so like, this is such a triumph. Like just this, and there's more triumph beyond this grid. And you're a part of that. And Thank so like, you, guys. So hey, much. like you gotta oh see it to be it. That's what yeah. we're talking about. Absolutely. And like, I'm right with Robin. Like, this is a place where we actually can make change, which is like mm -hmm. bizarrely miraculous. So, like, yeah. let's not stand for it anymore. I'm all I fired to, up now. I have this to get in here and say this: Robin Thede is not joking. I <laughs> technically we can't say right now. It's these five people. These five black people just got hired because Robin made some phone calls to these shows, but it's like five <laughs> people. And she made these phone calls one minute ago. And now all these people have jobs. I just had her send me her drafts folder. Robin keeps tabs. And we, everyone was like, 
oh, all the black people we know are hired. And I was like, not, uh, not Robin Thede. I called her. She sent out um, another spreadsheet of heavy hitters. Um, bl- black women and black well, comedy writers roll deep. Honestly, that not and- for nothing. I'm working on something. And if you could send me that, that would be I got you. fire. Yeah. I got you. That would be really And they're good. Um, but also, X, I want to say, you, you, you're fine and they love you and everyone loves you, but you could get fired. You could get fired tomorrow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you I don't have to a imply job. that, like, she can't get fired. fired. You all you want. All they want. I'm low-key hoping you get fired. Low-key, like, let yeah, like, fired. I need to hire you. <laughs> I have. Let that happen. <laughs> Can we oh, let her Sam, have her job for a little while longer first? Sam, <laughs> Sam, it would be my dream. Sam and I have a mutual friend, Gary Richardson. Gary Richardson. That is Gary. my heart. I love him oh, so much. Right. Let me tell you, every step of the way, I was like, Gary, they say they need a package. You guys have one package. I was like, oh, what am I say? I was just like, what? Because I started really getting into politics when we got this puto of a president because I'm like, he about to make it illegal for me to come out past seven. So let me Not watch hard. this because, you know, he's going to say no gays after six, then the black people, and then Jews get to stay out the latest. That's mm-hmm. how I feel his tear goes in his meat. Why? Said, well, let me watch. We need to break that detailed tear. It yeah, makes no, sense to me. No, it's coming. Very it's coming. specific. It's coming. So I just was like, I, I need to watch the news. So because that was so new to me, people like Gary, who like I saw coming up at UCB. And mind you, let me be very honest, y'all. I didn't really discover white people till four years ago. I was never around white people. I was I'm born and raised Goodbye. in South Central. I do, I'm not around them. I do not know how they operate. And when I went to the UC of the B, I said, because, <laughs> you know, improv, that racism is immediate, you know? I come in a scene and I'm like, how y'all doing? They're like, don't rob us. I'm like, You're right. you are so right. Another queen, Keisha Dollar. She's on Astronomy Club. Love Phenomenal her. sketch comedy show. I literally, y'all, I'm no, y'all ask Keisha right now. I call Keisha at 7 a.m. when I was uh, working in catering at Time Eat, feeding all these rich ass white folks. I called her. I said, Keisha, they got me fucked up. Yep. They labeled me this like, like ghetto ass name when I was just, I, we was all in the graveyard digging. Why I gotta be, we are just digging. What is happening? So it was a lot for me, like adjusting to white people, but yeah. seeing somebody like Gary, I said, that's me, right? That's me. Yeah. Okay, I'll stay here. Yeah. Seeing people like Natasha Rothwell, who is queen. Yeah. Yeah. Natasha Rothwell, like I literally shake when I yeah. see her because it's like, she is like such a goddess to me and yeah. like beyond kind, like she makes yeah. you believe like, oh, you don't have to let this business fuck you up. You can still be the yeah. shit and still be kind. Um, but to see people like Gary Richardson, just to like big him up, to see him like, he don't he don't code switch. This is how I target what I do when I do. Yeah. And I know how to code switch. I do it because my mother taught me by doing it. You know, and I still do it as a means of survival because I feel comfortable with y'all, but like, absolutely not. If it was all white people, sorry, no. And I know Kristen. Otherwise, I probably would have been close switching. If I didn't know her, I probably oh, would. I'm Lord. serious. Like, I got to know a lot of white women are not safe out here. I be so wilding everywhere. Just, no code switches. No, no Sam J, I aspire. That's rare. Sam J, I aspire. Oh, uh, that is space, rare. All spaces yeah. all the time. I say yeah. so much at SNL. All pits. Chris is going to tell all pits. I do. Sam, though, is a joy. Like, I feel like in their room, 
I remember being at SNL and it was my second year. You had, you just got there. Yeah. I was still petrified even to breathe and you were just <laughs> yourself. So yes, that's a special thing though. But yeah. let's talk about that for a minute because what's interesting, another interesting thing that's happening here is that as women, as women of color, as gay women, we are caretakers to an extent that women, we all want to pull people up with us, right? Which isn't to say that white men don't want to do that. They want to pull other white men up, generally speaking. (laughs) But do you feel like as women, as women of color, as queer women, a queer woman first in Sam's case, that you have an obligation to do that? Or is it just a natural inclination to want to pull up? both right it's naturally who I am and I don't feel like anyone is in that space not being naturally who they are so why do I thus have to not be naturally who I am that's one and two I feel like when we do go into these spaces if we continue to like code switch and act the way we're not we're just not paving a way for for you know what I'm saying and it's like yeah I want to change the whole way you think about that and don't you need to listen Rather than be focused on what I'm dressed like, how many chains I got on, listen mm-hmm. to what I'm saying and taking my words. And if you can do that, then it just makes it easier for the next type of person to come behind you and not be discredited for those those very things that are just a part of our environment. Yeah. And for I me, did notice, Sam, you have on two chains. I did notice that. I did notice the two chains. And I want to thank you for that. Since I got my one go, you know, my role is coming in the mail. You know, oh, congratulations. We, we, yes. Let's, we got to change levels. We can have some roly talk. I have a roly. We could talk roly stuff. Wow. Yes. Y'all too fly for me. Y'all too fly. Me too. Me me too. Too. You over here looking like a bag of money. I can't right. even afford that, babe. Right. You see, this is from, this was $2. My friend helped me set this up. Rob okay. talking about we too much. Meanwhile, she owns a stable of horses. <laughs> you guys right. are doing too you much. You knew I was at Equestrian. You knew I was at Equestrian, okay? That's how I came from. Uh, no, but I, but I agree with Sam, like, it's the same thing for me. It's both because I hire black women, like, especially for a black lady sketch show, you can't have a title like that and not have hella black women working on a show. That was the whole goal. They were like, but okay, is the name going to stay a black lady sketch show? Cause that's what I pitched. And I was like, yeah, what else would it be? And they were like, oh, you don't have, like, I thought that was like a placeholder. And I was like, nah, that's the name. So you know, when we did that, I knew I was going to have an all black woman cast and all black woman writers room. I knew I was going to have like all the way through directors, you know, everything. So it was, it was an experiment in a way to show people the types of things we can create when we're allowed to be authentically ourselves. Right. There's no, there's no compromise with the show. And look, does everybody, everybody's not going to love the show or and love every sketch. Everyone never loves every sketch, spoiler alert, of any show. But, um, but the chance to be free and to be able to do that and to find that space and then now to be, you know, three times Emmy nominated in our first year mm-hmm. is so crazy and not to harp on that, but it's insane. It's insane. It never happens even for white sketch shows, very rarely, let alone this one. So, and I think that at the end of the day, not only do I feel a personal obligation, I also just want to surround myself with the best people. I was the first black woman to head write on a late night show and I hired the second. And to this day, there has still only been two. Me and Lauren Ashley Smith, who is now with me on a black lady sketch show, the head writer there as well. First black woman, I'm assuming to be head writer on a sketch show, but we don't, I don't fact check all the black firsts, but, um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's, it's, there's no reason we should still be setting all these firsts. There's no reason it should right. be 2020 and we're still trying to claw our way into things, you know? 
Um, so and and I, to the degree that we that things have changed, and I think Chris and I think Amber and Robin maybe as the people who have been in the business for a while, I mean not a million years, you're not she old. Called us old. She called but us old. No, wow. I just literally said not that you're old. Um, <laughs> but that, like, have you seen? I feel like we are actually seeing demonstrable change, not at the rate that we want and not at, in the numbers that we want necessarily, but are you seeing that it has happened? Six years ago when I got this job at late night, I am pretty sure I was all alone. You then were. three years later, I think, Robin Thede's show no. started. No, it was, like two six, years it was later? like six months. <laughs> oh, sorry. What year did you start? Um, 2014. Yeah, so we started hiring in 2014 and we went on the air in January of 2018. 2015, 2015, I'm very bad at math. When you went off the air, 2017? 16. 16, 16. Mm -hmm. there were 10 writers. Remember when we all went to yep. dinner for your birthday? Yep. There was, we just called each you other. We could all go to dinner. And we all went to and dinner. We all went to dinner because you can't, every black yeah. woman in late night went to yeah. dinner. Yeah. But yeah, I think it was Ambria there. Ambria yeah. Yeah. was at my Ambria show. Ambria was yeah. there, yep. Yeah. yeah. All right, so at least now we need like a couple tables. So yeah, I mean, hopefully it. We trying to get the whole motherfucking building. Table. It would be nice. Like, I mean, I want all of the whole Olive Garden. Yeah, all of okay. Times Square, TS Olive Garden, TS yeah. Olive Garden. Yes, and wait, Amber, and you also have to get the breadsticks, you dip it in the Alfredo sauce. Have you ever done that? We're going to embarrass ourselves so bad. No, this is fantastic. A year from now, what I want is a photo of all of you and like 50 other women yeah. at yes. the Olive Garden. This is my request for you. This in is Times Square. I want to manage yeah, yes. Well, Times Square, that's up to you. That's, that's what Sam the, said. That's Sam the fanciest Olive Garden in the world. It is. It has multiple levels, <laughs> and they drinks. They drinks have uh, frozen fruit. Yeah, it's the most. It's yeah. the fanciest hey. Olive Garden in the world. Thank you. You too. Right. Yeah. I love my Moscato oh. blueberry lemonade. And after all of this Olive Garden, I think it needs to be on you. <laughs> Just saying, like we weren't but asking also, for it, but now I feel like it's. It kind of has to be that way. I can do it. I also wanted to speak to your point too, which you were saying about like bringing people up because I started a uh, by POC sketch comedy show called Who Made the Potato Salad? And it stars only people of color. It's produced by us and for us. And it's a big ass cookout. And like all of our alumni have gone on to do amazing things. Like my uh, creative producer. Yes. <laughs> my creative producer and one of my very best friends, Shinobia, she is like the baddest like she's about to take over this whole damn yeah, she's everyone please please be on the lookout um and like astronomy club like they have all yep. done the show and what the reason why i did that is because a lot of white people in this industry try to act dumb like there's a shortage of black people and like we don't exist so what i like to do is i invite them all to see the show and i put them all in front of them and they've all like been able to get meetings and do stuff because that's my thing like i don't even want people to have a seat at my table i want to equip you with the tools so you can make your, your own, own table, table and do your own yeah. thing because there's so much money and there's so much room for all of us and so i am very like adamant about that and i've also hosted um uh, poc entertainment panels and i do them at the regency west in lamert park where there's nothing but black people if you saw insecure like you know that that's where yeah. Issa race character works 
and in that area. And I like take the load on financially having to turn a black event space into a theater because we don't have those in our communities. But I want black people to be able to hit the corner and be able to come to a quality event that has like Grace Wu. She's the VP of casting at NBC yeah. and mm-hmm. Bill Jackson and Carl Tart and all these execs so that you can learn and you get in free game to people that come from where I come from, that come from the Jays, that, you know, are working at right. the bottom. Because, like, there's so many Black women that I feel need to be in charge. <laughs> like, there's so many friends that I have, and they're so good with money and want to do entertainment. I'm like, you should be a line producer. And they're like, what does that mean? Right. I'm like, okay, this is know. what it is. Yeah, yes. so I just want to, I want to, that's, and that's the legacy that I want to leave. Although I am very blessed and honored to be nominated for an Emmy, how I made people feel and how I, how people feel about me and the legacy that I left once I leave this earth is far more important. And I believe any leverage that I get as a black woman in this industry, the only reason I get it is to pull back, to lift as I climb, period. That's the only reason. Yeah. That's wow. what's crazy is that we don't only do all of our jobs at a high level an Emmy nominated or winning level, we also bring people with us because we right. all know what it was like to not have that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I just want to say on behalf of my mother and all the black mothers everywhere, we're so proud of you. We're so proud of all of you. I mean, well and truly so proud of all of you. And I am so glad to have had you all here today. I have no idea how we're going to edit this. It's going to be super interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but if you Make all- Make sure think- you open it with Robin saying, all y'all fired in Hollywood. Everybody that's it up, you fired. And don't coming for you. Your, don't think I didn't see your little white ass who didn't hire no black people. All right. Okay, so God bless. They know. They know. A producer somewhere is taking notes on that. But truly, I am so grateful for all of you being there. For everybody that's watching, please check out all of the Emmy-nominated shows that all of these women work on. Full Frontal with Sip and the Bee. Saturday Night Live, a Black Lady Sketch Show, which you can do on demand on HBO, and we'll be coming back. And HBO Max. And HBO and Max. The, the Hulu plugin to anywhere, guys. There's so many yeah. options. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on Comedy Central, uh, Late Night with Seth Meyers, and then soon the Amber Ruffin Show on Peacock. Thank you all so much for being here. And if you can't catch their shows, you can watch the EW Show last night, Late Night on Quibi. Yeah. Hey. So, so good to see you. Thank you so much for tuning into our bonus episode of The Awardist. Guess what? We have another bonus in store for you. Next week, we have a discussion with several people who are multiple nominees. The TV Academy liked them so much, they recognized them several times. Among those people are Giancarlo Esposito, Rami Youssef, Dan Levy, Wanda Sykes, Angela Bassett, and Maya Rudolph. And this was the moment that Maya Rudolph found out from Angela Bassett that Kamala Harris had been picked to be Joe Biden's VP. So it's a very fun discussion. So definitely tune in and check that out.